1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Yes, indeed, it is the get right right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers. 105.3 The Fan, I'm Reginald Atatula. That's the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Yes, sir, we got Chris Strong on the ones and twos and you rock with us on this Tuesday evening in the Metroplex. Shout out to Jared Sandler, Josh Bores, Josh yep. A. Smith. Um, and all the other folks that were down in the Odyssey showroom for the uh, first of the 2024 season, Rangers hot stove, I guess, first of the off season, because mm-hmm. I mean, the season hasn't started yet. And we there's a little bit of, I don't know anxiety is not the right word, but like there's there's some anticipation for this 2024 season already for the Rangers. Yep. Hopefully you didn't miss it. It was a good
3: one. The line was wrapped around. Out the door. We had all the people here that you would expect, all the hosts, all the bosses, people touring the studio so I hope you had a good time to come in here if not there'll be another one coming up
2: yeah man Uh, I imagine if uh, I got to double check on this but Rangers hot stove we're back so you'll be getting Jared Sandler and various Rangers players giving you you know an insight into the World Series run what you know what it's like for them as being a Texas Ranger and obviously getting ready and gearing up for another great season of rangers baseball and obviously in particular gearing up for spring training as we near <laughs> it feels so weird because it feels like they just won the world series but we near pitchers and catchers reporting in the next i don't know month or so yep and so yeah it's it's crazy to think about that but we, while we have that a little bit closer to you know the most important time of the football season your dallas cowboys are in the playoffs baby baby we right? did it man were you okay were you nervous I was like, because me and Alex were talking, me and you
3: were talking about the game, like, we should The win. Commandos? Yeah, we should win. Everything is pointing to us winning, but we've kind of been here where our expectations are high. I was a tiny bit nervous, especially when the game was close early. I was like, don't do it. When we got the block kick, I was like, don't be one of these games.
2: Against no. Sam Howell <laughs> and the Commandos? You never
3: know. I mean, he got his what well, it was his first career game. He beat us, right? That is true. Game. So
2: I was like, you never know. However, the Commandos—no, okay, like, we— I understand where you're coming from, but no, I, I, I did not have any trepidation in that game. I I've come to believe in this Cowboys team to a certain extent, and at the very least, like this isn't even like a high bar, against a team of the caliber of the Commanders uh, that is not playing well, that does not have a particular threat mm-hmm. um, in the ways that they play. Like, I, I didn't look at this team, and I, I think all through last week, you might have been here during one, yeah. one of these instances, when we had opportunities to talk to our friends that join us on the program, ask them. Is there anything that scares you about the Commanders? And I didn't get a single answer that made me go, "Huh, okay, maybe I should be concerned about that." And so no, I didn't go into that game with any trepidation. But that that marked game 17 of your 17-game schedule for the Cowboys, we have that regular season in 12 and 5 for the third straight year under Mike McCarthy. And I, one thing I want to do because it's easy when you have this 12 and 5 season, it's like, "Okay, Cowboys, same coach, same starting quarterback." Same record for these three seasons, and they're the same team. Like, there's a lot of the same old Cowboys narrative that's happened. And I really wanted to kind of take stock of who are these 2023 uh, NFL season Cowboys, uh, maybe compared to the last couple of seasons. But, like, I want to identify and really lock in on who these Cowboys are at their core. 877-881-1053. Uh, that's the truckwreck.com text line. You can uh text in and communicate with the show. We appreciate that. And on from the A one this is interesting. Stop there, the commodes. Okay, Uh-oh. I don't but that mi- makes sense. I commodes. Don't
3: mind that one. VCs, I ha-
2: Field. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> there is a there is a through line. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna mix that one in, the commodes. That's interesting. Um, but with that being the case, um, What do you view as, like, who are these Cowboys at their core? Yeah,
3: so at their core, I feel like, unfortunately. Oh, you're starting with unfortunately. We're we're just not as balanced as I thought we were going to be going into the season. I thought we were going to be this really balanced. I had high Tony Pollard stock going into the season. I kind of thought he was going to be one of those guys that was just, you can give it to him first, second down, get to third and one, third and two, but it just hasn't really been that this season. But what we have been that I didn't expect to be as well is the high-powered passing attack. I mean, and then when you look at the, the the numbers, we're actually only 14th in the league for the number of pass attempts that we have. So kind of league average, 27 and a half. And I would have expected it to be a little bit more just by how frequent we throw the ball. So I would say this is a high-powered passing offense. CeeDee Lamb, by the numbers, was pretty much the best receiver outside of Tyreek Hill. And then even in Tyreek Hill was there with some of his numbers. And then on defense side of the ball, a, a defense that can create turnovers, take care of... Um, Turn the ball over and force the other team into awkward situations with all the ball hawks that we have in that back end. So not exactly the most disciplined team, but definitely a team with a very high ceiling.
2: Now, before I get into, I was looking at efficiency numbers. I love looking at EPA and stuff, mm-hmm. particularly over the last three years. I want to welcome into the program a <laughs> friend of the show, our Cowboys insider right here at 105 The Fan. Who better? To Always ask? working, Bobby Belt.
4: Always working
2: whether it's here or unless else. it's
4: 5 30 in the morning that, then i will not be that's here.
2: right the one time he refuses to work 5 30 a.m
4: the one and only that's it
2: bobby let me ask you this question and then i will not make you work more any more than you have to nah,
4: i gotta wait for that love of the star recording to process fair anyway.
2: enough uh who are these 2023 cowboys to their core for you let us
4: know Uh, They are one of the five most talented teams in the NFL, and they're probably one of the ten least disciplined teams in the NFL. Mm. Like, the problem that they still have to answer, the thing that that we got to figure out from them is, where are they in terms of attention to detail and just the the little – the, the things that, magic, that matter when, when the margins are the thinnest is, is where they've struggled consistently over the last several years. Like if there's there's a lot of credit you can give to Mike McCarthy for the way that he staggers practice schedules and keeps guys healthy, the way that he gets buy-in, the way that he uh, helps insulate players from outside criticism. There's a lot of really great things about the way logistically Mike McCarthy runs things. The The negative aspect that still needs to be answered that has existed for four years here is he has undisciplined football teams. And, and it, it usually bites them in the highest leverage moments. And typically, teams that are playing in January are not undisciplined football teams. You're lucky that you're as talented as you are and you're as skilled as you are across the board. And they've got so much talent that they've been able to overcome it. My biggest question is, if they're not blowing somebody out, are they capable of of beating them? Is, is that why we fall second, you would think, in the
3: kind of power rankings of the NFC when it comes to Because the Niners are probably just as talented, if not more. But more disciplined, and then the teams below us, maybe you're more disciplined, but have less talent. Yeah,
4: I mean, you, you're talking about the last three years. Yeah. You you've played them three times, and there's a shot you're going to play them a fourth. And in three times, you've been handled. And I know a lot of people will push back and say, "Well, you lost by six one game, you lost by seven the other." You were manhandled in those games, like like just flat out. Mm-hmm. The the playoff game last year, you were a little bit more competitive. But as soon as Pollard went down, you had no method of attack. Mm-hmm. The the first playoff game in 21, you were rocked in that game. You had yeah. no business being. In there for Dak to even have the little scramble that when time runs out. So, you're the problem is that you're you're relatively equal with them in terms of a talent standpoint. You and San Francisco. Okay, I think San Francisco's a little more talented. DeMarcus Lawrence in the building, by the way, for Mavs Grizzlies tonight. Uh, I thought I think, you meant next to us. I no, 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 I no, 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 no. <laughs> those aren't quite buffs, no. are no. they? You, you, am you, I bugging? You'd hear yeah, you hear them before you see them. Close right. uh, the the. Talent level is probably a little bit more for San Francisco, but the problem is that, like, you're getting handled because you're getting out schemed and it's discipline things and it's little things. That's where. You it really shows up is there's you have no business getting rocked by this team as consistently as you do when you're ending up in the same place as them as consistently so as you do.
3: Me me and you kind of talked about this when we did our our, our last show on a New Year's Day. Oh yeah, is there's That's is when there,
4: you were taking shots between break. And yeah, drinking all that. Oh, market. all of that. All oh, of that. My yeah, gosh. Just,
3: you could just tell I was just inebriated. Tons um, of Tito's. What? What's what your you, middle name? Right, Tito. Tito. Um, what would you? Is this something that can change though? Like, is this something we just kind of have to deal with as people who support the Cowboys? Because it's not something that's done overnight. Or, I don't.
2: I don't think that this is what Bobby's talking about. Is not something that you change. I, that's the whole idea of having a 17
4: games. It's an off season program, mm-hmm. right? Like that. Like you're talking about. Like that. That's stuff that should have been ironed out already. Now, the reality is, is that they've played so many blowout games and mm-hmm. they've been so ahead of so many teams that could it be some bad luck? Could it be okay, Arizona? You, you underestimated them, and and you had this issue. Philly, it was a bunch of little things, but it is a road environment. Like, is it possible you can look at it and say, it's just a run of bad luck? Because it's not like we have a huge sample of 10 games where they've had attention to detail issues in close moments. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that we've got three years yeah. of mm-hmm. – three years of a team that was 12-5 and five, three years in a row, and in a number of those losses – they've been either out physical or they mess up little details or stupid penalties that's the biggest question about them is that you you've got to wonder the talent is unquestionable yep. yes. they they are easily to me the second most talented team in the NFC and they may be right there with San Francisco from a talent perspective the question is are you are you smart enough are you disciplined enough as a football team to overcome a a tough smart football team that maybe has a little bit less talent than you.
2: Yeah. So as we go to the truckwreck.com text line from the 8, uh, eight, five, eight. Cowboys are a finesse offense. They can create turnover turnovers with their soft on defense. I don't know that I agree with that to, a, to a T. Um, but I think what that does speak to for me is like that is This is an offense that provided the right circumstances, can be incredible right like mm-hmm. this is a high leverage offense to the point of, and it's a very high efficiency offense so i i went back and i looked at uh the efficiency numbers over the last three seasons environmental protection agency um <laughs> the uh estimated points added oh that epa oh that per one. Play. that's yeah. right um and the cowboys are second this year um with the total epa per play of 0.121 now um
4: that's I bet I bet if you pick that up from week 6 on it, even, I bet they're one.
2: Exactly, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I want to get to. Like this is the most high power offense that we've seen in their time here. They were 10th last year in EPA per play, you know, compared to the league 7th in 2021. Like this is the most effective offense that you've had in Mike McCarthy's tenure being here. Um or at least when we talk about these instances where they've been 12 and 5 and really contending in the playoffs. But I I love what you got to, Bobby, when you're talking about the head coach and his decision making and those types of things. And then also the the discipline of this team and making sure that you don't have penalties, because all of those things are the things that are margins of Mm -hmm. error. And one thing about the playoffs is that the questions that people have about this team when it comes to, can they play against good teams? Well, you figure that out in the playoffs because there are no more bad teams, right? Like the idea is that this has now been brought just to good I mean, teams. The Eagles are still in there, and so that's touche, a bad football. Touche. Team. But the idea is like the margin for error is yeah. significantly smaller, and mm-hmm. all of these teams are now focused in uniquely even more than they are in the regular season because they've had the whole regular season to hone in on what they do well, what they don't do well, and now this is all about one game sample size. The margins are of error is where what's going to matter. And you significantly, you know, it feels like this team has a smaller margin of error than they really should when you talk about the talent and the capabilities that they've displayed because of coaching decisions that we look up from time to time. Inopportune timed penalties and things of that nature. And so that's the thing that I worry about is like, is that a part of their core being? And it does, in way, feel like that is.
4: Yeah, and, and I mean, that's something where usually they are talented enough to where it doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't factor into the equation. Um, they may be talented enough to beat Green Bay by 21 points, and they may still have the same discipline issues, and it does not matter because you're better. One of the great examples of this, I remember Darren Woodson had told me one time when I was interviewing him, he was talking about that Super Bowl 30 where they beat Pittsburgh. And he's like, we had no business winning that game. He's like, we weren't prepared. We were lazy throughout the game. They pulled out all these trick plays that converted. They they stopped the run game. They stopped Emmett. Nobody was doing that. Emmett couldn't get anything going on the ground. The offensive line couldn't get anything going. There were all these things that were... And it didn't matter. Dallas still beat them by double digits. And it's because they were just that much more talented. It didn't matter the little things in that instance. You have to hope either that the sample size we have on the attention to detail issues is not large enough to matter for this team... Or you have to hope that their talent wins out and puts them in a position to where that little thing doesn't burn them. But I will say, going back to what the eight five eight said, I don't think they're they're soft on defense. I think that was an issue in the past. I think what you're still seeing there is they are gettable. I, I think defense, it's though. IQ stuff though. I think they step in wrong gaps. I think they misread things. I think it's still just over aggressiveness and and poor reads. And it's it's got to do more with a lot of the attention to detail stuff. It's Damone Clark stepping into the wrong gap and just having a wide open hole. It's a lot yeah. of that stuff still. At, at the end of the day, I think it still comes down to attention to detail.
2: Well, look, they're going to have some of that challenge in a way against uh, the Green Bay Packers here on Sunday. I, I really do want to get into, I believe tomorrow we'll dive more into the idea of if the, one of these matchups uh, unit to unit is mm-hmm. being underrated when we talk about Cowboys, Green Bay Packers. But a lot more Cowboys to talk as we go through the program tonight. we, we got get the key, Bobby? i don't i don't think so i, I feel gotta like, go edit the audio uh, now. maybe jared that. sandler will he talk to make packers sure. for
4: you we, we uh. might get
2: him in here uh <laughs> bobby we appreciate you uh and we will be listening to the love of the star podcast that you recorded just in just now
4: it'll be out in the morning if peyton does his job i love you all
2: appreciate you my man it's the get right right here on 105 through the fan we're taking you to 11 we'll jump back at nine o'clock get into some things that jerry jones said it felt like it was illuminating with bobby sean and rj this morning even if The things that he explicitly said were not illuminating. The ways that he said them felt like they told us a little bit of something. But coming up next, what kind of players should the Mavericks target in the trade market? We'll discuss that next on The Fan. To Get Right Right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Atatula here with you alongside the Fan Phenom, Blake Elliott. Sersky. Shout out to Chris Strong on the 1s2s and you hanging out with us on this Tuesday evening. I forgot. We're active in the Metroplex. We are. Obviously, we were active last night because the Stars got a big 4-0 victory. I was just talking with the hockey Hawk, Gavin Spittle, about Matt Murray's performance between the pipes for your Dallas Stars. Tonight at the AAC, it is the Dallas Mavericks who are active against the lowly, at least we thought, Memphis Grizzlies, without their star, John Morant, who has a season-ending injury. They're putting up quite an effort and a fight in this one. 44-31 is the favor in favor of the Grizzlies We'll keep you up to date there, and we might have to call an audible. We thought this would be uh, light work for your uh, Mavericks. We might have to talk about what's happening here in this one. At some we point got Markeith
3: getting in here. Oh, AJ we got Markeith at five minutes. Yeah, that's usually yep. a good
2: thing, right? Yep. No, okay. Um, so we'll we'll discuss that as we go along. But within that, um, I guess maybe this highlights in a way the ways in which this Mavericks team is not a fully formed uh, situation, right? We, uh, myself and Chris, who were on last night, had a pretty extensive conversation about the ways in which the Mavericks might be turning a defensive corner, right? Over the last 20 games, top 10 or 10th exactly in defensive rating. Mm -hmm. And you saw it uh, maybe come to a head against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the number one team in the West this weekend on Sunday in particular. Uh, Active hands, just a good defensive effort against these Timberwolves. And my conclusion ultimately was – I'm interested in seeing if they can keep that level of defensive intensity because the effort is one of the things that has shown up. Obviously, the players that you have are the players that you have, and it is a better roster. Congratulations to Nico Harrison with what they've been able to do compared to a couple of years ago when they went to the Western Conference Finals even. Um, but it's it's been the effort and the buy-in. My goodness, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about that because uh, David Roddy is somebody that around these parts people don't like. Remember the last time David oh, Roddy went, went off yes, against these Mavericks? Yes. Uh, but no, uh, you know, the effort is something that has showed up. The, the ways in which they were getting in passing lanes, the active hands, all those things. And tonight, not quite that. But outside of that, right, this does maybe point to the idea that this team is not fully formed and trades are necessary. Yep. We knew that was the case, but yep. maybe this is just... What kind of players should the Mavs target in the trademark? Because everybody wants players for this team. Yeah, What do we think is going to be better? I can't tell. What do we think is going to be beneficial? Because were you here with me the night that we went through some of the, you know, we evaluated in a way? I think so. Some the, of the way, you know, some of the things that are the players that we know yeah. are going to be on a yes, championship roster, the, right?
3: What, what players should be on the championship roster? And it I, was a short list.
2: And I think that that then gives us a framework of, okay, what else do you want to put around those guys that you know are going to be the skeleton of this team and then yeah. really be building? And this trade, the trade market situation in time is your first step towards that who should they be targeting
3: yeah so or at least what kind of players yeah so the kind of players i think they should be targeting i don't it's what they try to do in the offseason it, it's that four it's that if you want to use our favorite word our, a combo forward or whatever yeah combo big <laughs> combo big combo big. <laughs> um a guy that can play the four, they can stretch the floor not somebody that sits under the rim so not dwight powell i love dwight but not not someone like that and We thought Grant Williams was going to be that floor spacer, that defensive general, that guy that could, you know, pass when he needs to every once in a while. And in spades, every once in a while, he shows spurts of it. But he just hasn't been a guy you've been able to be reliable on, which is why every time you go on Google, Twitter, listen to reporters, the Mavs are in trade talks. Yeah. Now, some some more rumor than others, some more just kind of stirring the pot. But in general, I don't think the Mavs are happy with the roster that they have currently fully formed. There's obviously some pizzas they like, but I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy to say they're not too happy with how Grant's played overall and kind of where his conditioning's been throughout the season. And you have guys like there's been a lot of injuries, so I, I'm thinking that four position they're really trying to upgrade. Because tell me if I'm wrong, I think Derek Jones Jr. can be your three if you get a compatible four. And when I say compatible four, I'm thinking Kyle Kuzma, I'm thinking Pascal Siakam. Maybe OG.
2: I know he's a little bit smaller. Well, are, OG's already been traded. I don't I'm, think tripping, can, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm No, tripping, but I, tripping. I hear you.
3: Like, like, like some, some, OG Ananobi would yeah, absolutely be yeah. a
2: type of player that fits what you're trying to do. Because you don't
3: need someone. And and I was looking into the, some of the more advanced analytics with Paso Siakam. I was like, well, it's kind of hard to have that two stars. Another guy needs the ball. But his usage rate is actually lower than Tim Hardaway's, which I know isn't saying much. Tim's is at 24. Siakam's is at 23 right now. So he's a guy that doesn't need the ball a lot and I think could be that third complimentary above average star. I don't want to say like full-blown, like superstar, but he's like, you know, that B-plus star type guy. He would be the poor Zingas to us, that third guy that can score the ball. So it is not – I don't think it's the easiest plug-and-play fix because he is um, where he was obviously the leading scorer on the Raptors. He's their go-to guy. So being the three, how would he adapt? Because we don't want to make him just a catch-and-shoot guy that shoots, you know, a couple threes a game and plays defense. We want him to be part of the offense, one of that bigger pieces, as well as play defense.
2: Well – I also want to be challenges and I don't want it to be sound confrontation, but I kind of want to challenge that thought process that you're putting up. The idea that it's just shooting threes. I think the catch and shoot game is necessary. And if you are lethal enough or at least credible enough, Mm -hmm. you can bend the defense, especially when you consider like the framework of what you have two of the, that is Bobby belt uh, saluting us on his way out of the building. Thanks to Bobby again for joining us last segment on the show. But back to what I was saying, like, you mentioned, or the, the two pieces that you know are going to be foundational to what you're doing here, two of the the, the obvious three, Kyrie and Luka. Yep. And you know, I mean, hell, uh, on Sunday, the game we're talking about, they can buy for 69 points. They can do it any nice. night. They can do it any night. Out, right? Offensive output, just offensive output, anybody. And it's not just offensive output, but it's also like, Offensive playmaking. Yep. They are both playmaking hubs. Luka, you know, exponentially so, might be one of, if not the best playmaking hubs in the league right now. And so with that being the case, you know the rest of your players are going to be good. And what you're going to do is, in order to alleviate the ways in which defenses can try and attack him or maybe make them pay for trying to Mm -hmm. focus on him. Having a high-level, maybe even elite guy who can knock down catch-and-shoot. Even, I mean, there's there's guys that have made their careers off of that. And obviously, you still need to play the defensive element of that or you're not going to be all that useful. But just catch-and-shoot can be huge if you do that at a so high level do you and want, consistently
3: at a high level. Do you want to spend as much capital as these teams are asking for a Kuzma Siakam on a catch-and-shoot guy? Because that's my thing. It's like, yes, I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. But then once you do that, you're giving away Josh. You're giving away Hardy. You're giving away first-round picks. You're giving away maybe Tim or Maxi, Rashawn, one of those guys mixed in to make the contracts. So you're not just giving away just a second-round pick or whatever. You're giving away a good amount to get one of these, sure. both of those teams' best players' best score, and now do you kind of demote him to, I need you to catch and shoot threes and play defense, which is great. I think we could find guys for cheaper to do that is what I'm saying.
2: Sure, I hear what you're saying, and I think you you make a fair point. I think also it's one of the reasons why we did that exercise. Mm -hmm. You talked about Josh Green. You talked about Jaden Hardy. Those are not guys that you're absolutely bought in on being in the championship. If you get a guy who you know is going to be in your championship dynamic, particularly because they're consistent and great at knocking down threes and they are going to be a primary defender. Mm -hmm. If you get yourself a primary defender, yeah, both of those guys. I don't know if I'd say both those guys, but both those guys, are. I I would make them available because you make yourself that much better. We just started talking about how defense matters in this thing. You have mm-hmm. a primary defender that you know on any given any given matchup, no matter who it is. We go, provided that they're in a certain range, right? Yeah. Obviously not. You're not. It's gonna be hard for you to be like one to five, right? Yeah. But no, provided the other p- team's best player is maybe like one to four or something, yeah. and you go, we've got a guy for him yep. every given time. Mm-hmm. That's worth a lot yep. in this league, and I think that in that instance, yeah, and that. Feels kind of like what you're looking for. Some someone that can be what Grant Williams was expected to be at a high level. Yep. And Grant Williams still has an opportunity to to transcend into that. But as of right now, he's he's gotta and, show it. And it's see, gotta be a high level and, of showing it. And the my my
3: process of thinking is when I think of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Dort. Definitely not the highest profile guy on the team, doesn't score the most sure. points. But like you just said, that's the guy we need you to guard. Go guard him, Fair locks enough. him down most Fair times enough. of the night, and can hit open threes as well. So I don't know if I want to spend that much capital on that. Don't get me wrong. I would love Pascal Siakam on the team. I really don't care what you have to give up for him. Other than Kyrie, Luka, and Lively, I think everyone's expendable to get Pascal. That's just my own personal opinion. I wouldn't. There's no one on the list. I'd be like, oh, man, Well, we got to give up Josh Green for Pascal. The only thing is is his contract. And does this contract scare you because he could be thought of as a rental. He's already said he kind of wants to test free. Oh yeah, agency. no, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely
2: the Pascal thing has to be that has to be a thought that goes through your mind. Because you you're not f- just getting them and guaranteed. Right. Right. Um, and I guess I, I was not viewing this entirely from just the perspective of Pascal C. No, of come, course. But no, I, absolutely that's gonna be a thing and you have to have the as the Mavericks or any team that trades for him, feel confident that you can recruit from within once you get him in. Yeah. And, did and or that you yeah you did it with Kai and you saw the Toronto Raptors try and do that with um with Kawhi Leonard yep and so it, it it'd be an interesting pr- pr- prospect and I don't even know that you have the capital to give Toronto what they want that's my
3: other thing I'm like what other teams have to offer Indiana. Some of these other teams, I'm like, we don't have that much offer, especially not until next offseason, I believe, where our picks are finally done with the Knicks and then we finally have some draft picks to give Yeah, you'd,
2: you'd have to convey your first-round pick this year, yeah. uh, provided it's not top 10 Yeah, for you to then open up some things to trade. A if bit you sooner.
3: have Luka Kai, Derrick Jones Jr., lively at the five, and then plug in whatever four in your trade head is popping up, I feel pretty confident of that five competing with any team in the way. I feel like at that point, plug in Pascal, plug in Kyle, plug in Jeremy Grant. I'm the, seeing him The, the tough line. thing
2: for me is, like, I've had so much time. Think of Kyle Kuzma in, mm-hmm. as, like, the caricature that we have built, which is not super far from who he is as a dude who's just out here getting cardio. However, like, you put him in the context of a winning pa- basketball team and have him in his divine, defined role, he's a talented basketball player. Yeah. Um, I just have to get my mind back to that space. Yeah, it's definitely
3: tough with the, the pink sweaters. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's that, but then it's also the maybe uh, inopportune or maybe not uh, ill-advised shooting at times. Is is there someone
3: that's on your mind, whether they're on the trade market or not, is there someone in your mind that you think is just the best glue to what the Mavs are missing? Because I don't know if it's particularly just one thing, 3 and D, because then it's also kind of backcourt depth as well. And then secondary playmaking with all these injuries, with Exum being out. Now when Luka and
2: Kyrie got in line, we were just talking about it. Who else is going to set up the offense? Tim, Hardy, Josh. Yeah, they do seem to be getting by, you know, doing the things where they have someone like Tim or, you know, Hardy being able to at least initiate the offense and then get it to Luke and let him do what he does. Right. In those types of instances. But yeah, no, I think that's a great point when you talk about depth because of the injury risk that Kyrie has. Right. Mm -hmm. We can't ignore those things. But I think, again, those end up being secondary to the, the, the big hole that you have in a way is that. That four position, that four, and or maybe crazy. even a, maybe even a three, right? You can maybe we make this work if it's if it's a particular three that has that level of range okay. ability. But I think yeah, that four would definitely help because again, you talk about the size that Derek Lively has or the the length that he has. Yep. He needs a little bit of help down low, you know, getting some of these uh, rebounds. And then if you want to go small at times, you need a player that has. That ability to be a rock, is I mean, you saw it in this game that we're watching right now. Grant Williams, as a small ball five, is getting you know dominated right now in a yeah. way. And this is not a this is not an incredible Memphis Grizzlies team. We, we should not about be losing it.
3: by 15. 16. And so
2: that 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 ends up being something that maybe it's just because it's front of mind, it's right in front of me, mm-hmm. that it's looming large. But it would be great if you could get a, a player like that. And people bring up Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, I always had like a, uh, I guess I found it funny perspective on him where Tobias Harris always struck me as a dude who's like, if you need seven points, I'll get you 15. Mm-hmm. If you need 25 points, I'll get you 15. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Tobias Harris feels like that guy. Yeah. And so that's the thing that I have concern. But he always fits in nicely to what a team is doing. I just, I, I wonder if if he gives you exactly what you're looking for. Um, Not that he's even available. Yeah. But Jeremy, it,
3: it, Jeremy Grant. I like Jeremy it's just I'm trying to I'm trying to piece together in my head, do I want a guy that can score the ball or do I want a guy that plays defense? I want I'm prioritizing defense more. We don't 100%. really need more ball dudes that can put the ball in the bucket. Sure. Guys that can knock down open threes, like Reggie said. Yes, because the amount of open threes you get playing with Luka and them. Kyrie you is all crazy. Of them.
2: Yes. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I think we've settled. Like the, the player that they that you would love to see, a dude who primarily can be a primary defender. Yep. Can knock down shots and hopefully has enough size to kind of be what is what's our what's our favorite word of the or phrase of the day? Combo big. Combo big. <laughs> Someone that can kind of play that four, maybe size up a little bit to play some small ball five and necessary. And, and necessary. the crazy
3: thing is we thought we solved it in the office. Okay, maybe not we all, but the front office at least thought they were coming up with a conclusion or they definitely thought
2: there was some upside and i i bought into the idea because i saw grant williams with the boss of celtics and was like he's young if he just and had, he had a more chance he has more upside yeah. and i and that's and maybe i'm just refusing to you know relent on something that i previously thought but it still feels like that upside is there but he's going to need to tap into it and try and get there uh and do it quickly because again i think the mavs are starting to move towards a timetable where they want to contend
3: you, you have you have two top 10 offensive players on your team, arguably, you have to. The, the time Luca and Kyrie aren't getting any younger. That's true. You don't want to just be like, oh, we wasted a year and whatever. Like, you see, the Mavs are a little bit more aggressive than I thought they'd be. I thought they'd wait till next season. It looks like they may, may I say, be making. They're
2: in the trade market, at least. That's for sure. They're definitely shopping. Yeah. And so we're going to be really interested. And we're obviously, keep talking about it. Nico Harrison uh, is going to uh, continue to see if he can. Make a better, more perfect Mavs roster as you go along. Right now, this Mavs roster having a little bit of a fight against a scrappy, in a way, oh, Memphis Grizzlies team. 60 to 48 is the score at the AC in favor of the visiting Memphis Grizzlies. Luka Doncic is going to see if he can bring his boys back, um, to you know, back to life in this one. It's to get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we go around the NFL where the Titans fired their head coach. Why would they do that? We'll discuss it next. So get right right here on 105 through the Fan, Reginald Atatula, The fan Phenom Blake Elliott. Yeserski. That's Chris Strong on the ones and twos, and you rocking with us here on uh 105 through the fan, your home of the Cowboys and World Series champion, Texas Rangers. Uh, real quick, um, your Mavericks still down 68 to 53 at the half. A 15 point deficit is not exactly what you expected for your Mavs nope. as they're playing uh the 13 and 23 Grizzlies, who are 10 and 10 away and also do not have John Morant. Uh, we we were just asked a question, or I think Blake, you you brought this up. How were they losing this game? Yeah. And one of the things I thought about was, huh? Let me go look at this one stat right quick. Tell me if you think this might help you explain some huh? of these things. Thirty-eight points in the paint for the Memphis Grizzlies, twenty-two points in the paint for the Dallas Mavericks. I don't do it. Uh, no, Derek Lively. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. Yeah. That's. I imagine that's part of what's happening. You know what? Here. I
3: can't even say that's an excuse because they didn't have Derek Lively the other day playing against the Timberwolves.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about this one, man. That's that's the worst part. Like, I I don't think I've uh, I don't think I could have imagined being this upset to have more content, right? <laughs> like, hey, let's talk about this Mavs game because I came into this thing thinking, man, we're not gonna have much to talk about in this Mavs game. We do, and not for good reason. Not for good. But thankfully, we're not doing that right now. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna go around the entire NFL and dip into some gridiron gravy, or not gridiron gravy. Uh, go around the NFL. I'm not on KCBS. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, look at me. I'm just stealing stealing segments from other shows. Uh, regardless, we will talk about the NFL, and one of the most perplexing moves we will start with is what happened in Nashville, Tennessee today. As it was uh, it was made known that the Tennessee Titans fired head coach Mike Vrabel today after back-to-back losing seasons uh, for the, the uh, Tennessee Titans. Now, um... He was 54 and 45 in his tenure as the head coach of the Titans. And in an interview posted by the team, controlling owner Amy Adams Strunk, uh, daughter of Bud Adams, was asked if she considered trading the coach instead of firing him. and And the answer was, quote, yes, there was consideration.
5: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: But there's a bit of a misconception about a coach's contract, say, versus a player's contract. A coach's contract, you can't trade them unless they are a willing partner to that trade. So, yes, we thought about it. But at the end of the day, with league rules the way they are, it would have maybe put us back three weeks. And, you know, to get the right head coach, I was just not willing to go to the back of the line and take a chance of missing out on somebody we really wanted. Dang. We're so, at the top of that list. Blake, first of all, do you do you believe the Titans made a, the right move in, tra- in firing him? And two, you think they should have held on to try to trade him instead of uh, firing?
3: Him? Yeah, I think a trade would have been there because a lot of teams are going to be interested. I mean, as soon as he was released, I think everyone around the league was like, okay, that's the top head coach now. That's currently, we're not talking about Harbaugh who's in college and the contract and stuff. That's currently, was in the NFL last season. That might be the most attractive
2: head coaching guy out there. Of a guy who, who was a head coach. Yes, of a guy who was a head coach. Because I think there, you have some coordinators out there that correct, are correct. really interesting when you talk correct. about Bobby Slowick, you yep. talk about Ben Johnson, you talk mm-hmm. about uh, Mike McDonald. Yep.
3: Just current uh, head coaches, it was just it just felt kind of abrupt. I mean, I was kind of looking through right where you were talking. The, the coaches that were let go for it, we had Arthur and Ron, right? We were the only ones on Black Monday that were immediately. So he was yes. the third in that pecking order.
2: It just... I I mean. Also, we can't forget that you know the McDaniel, Josh McDaniels, and then uh, there's a lot of mix in the the league, Um, right? McDaniels, Frank Reich, and then who was my other guy that got fired? Chargers. Oh yeah, Brandon Staley. (laughs) That was (laughs) the most hilarious one. (laughs) Uh, He got fired right after the blowout, right? They didn't even wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Needed Needed that. Third
3: in the Peckinor as far as Black Monday, but I guess six overall. Um, It surprised me. I'll tell you right that when I saw it, I was like, huh. But I did see maybe. Sometimes it's not that you don't think your team's going to be good, but is it enough? With the whole Derrick Henry-Vrabel thing, it maybe had just run its course. We saw Derrick Henry kind of give his goodbye speech to Tennessee. Vrabel, just maybe his time has run its course. I think he's going back to Foxborough. But also another thing is
2: I can maybe see him going to the Chargers. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, the thing that – my immediate thought on this Mm -hmm. was I don't think there was a single time with the Titans where – or I guess let me say it like this. Every – Every time I looked at the Titans, it always felt like their their performance was outperforming their talent,
3: right? 100%. They always looked Gritty
2: significantly team. less talented than the performances that they were giving, which speaks, at least in my mind, to coaching and also maybe speaks a little negatively to what they had previously been getting from their front office. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you then say, hey, the head coach is what needed to change kind of struck me the wrong way. Now, once you make the decision that you want to move on from him, I actually kind of think this is the way you had to go. Like, I know there's a lot of people that are like, why would you not trade him? And Amy adams Strong spoke to it specifically there, but there's a lot of good coaches out there on the market. And I want to hold your hand. There's gonna be there's gonna be teams out there that are looking for a good coach. And now you do not wanna be late to the market and getting the guy that you need. Right. I know understand people are like, you could get a fourth round pick, third round may hell if there if someone is once bad enough maybe you get a second round pick okay but is that second round pick worth it if you are not able to get the coach that you want to try and establish the future of your team for the next 2 3 seasons at the very least right if if you get the wrong coach how well or how much is that second round uh pick going to do for you so what direction do you see them going in
3: as far as uh head coach because they've obviously oh, had grayball de- defensive coach the last couple of years we, as we both have noted gritty team Grit, kind of the DeAndre Lunch Hopkins team. didn't really even first one's in, last one's out. In my head, when I signed Hopkins, I was like, That's great for them, but it doesn't really fit their mantra of how they carry their team. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what direction they're gonna go. They're gonna go offensive line, they're gonna go an OC that's been there, Are going college coach, Are they promoting
2: someone within the, within the building. So, what's kind of your thought press of, of where you think they might go, buddy? I wish I knew, like, okay. I, I honestly do wonder because I know the offense did get worse when Arthur Smith left mm-hmm. for the Falcons. And yes, nine eight nine two eight. They do mention the Titans had a lot of that smash mouth football. Um, Will Levis probably the future there? It seems like they feel comfortable with him at quarterback. I imagine with that alone, you probably want to go offense and make sure that you have some development for him and put things around mm-hmm. him. But again, this feels like somewhat of a reset of an organization. Yep. Um, and I, I I have no idea. They could go a lot of different places. Um, And from the 601, can't you go ahead and decide on the coach that you want before letting Vrabel go? I mean, you got to fire him. You got to get interviews. You got to do those things. And then, again, that coach got to want you too, right? And so all those things you want to do. And, look, if you're trying to trade uh, Vrabel, um, you 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 have to get rid of him before you go in through that process. All these other teams that have already gotten rid of teams or coaches – they're already going through interviews. Oh, yeah. And they're there's expected to be some prime commodities when we talk about head coaches in this uh, head coaching market. So, anyways, that's what's happening with the Titans. Uh, elsewhere around the league, apparently, the Steelers have ruled out T.J. Watt for their wild-card matchup against the Buffalo Bills because of a knee injury now, um, you know... They mentioned that playing without him is significant, but I think this is supposed to be kind of a couple weeks. Uh, I think uh, his brother J.J. Watt yep. announced this on Twitter best source a, few <laughs> days, a few days ago that you know this is probably the best case scenario for the injury that he suffered um, in week 18. However, you know he will miss that game, and this is the thing: ain't gonna be no other week um, if you do not win. Mason Rudolph will continue to be the quarterback against the Bills. You think they got a snowball's chance in hell? No, 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 okay. no, no. Actually, oh,
3: wait, hold on. No Minka, no Minka. I think he's still out. No TJ. That's really their two big playmakers. When I was looking at the playoff matchup, I go, the Bills are obviously better than the Steelers, especially on offense. But can this defense get points on the board for them? We know Josh Allen's turnover prone. That's not a hot take. That's not crazy. He, He does this every year. Can he put his team in harm's way and throw a pick six? fumble and they pick up some points and the Steelers get a gritty 17 to 15 win I can see it happening but I don't think their star playmakers are playing so it makes it a little bit tougher and I just think that offense will overcome and the Bills will get I think they'll get a close one I don't think it'll be a blowout and the Bills get a close one I
2: think that's fair we'll, we'll talk about that one more as we get closer to wildcard weekend but we do know Steelers not going to be with uh, their best defensive player that's going to be real tough for that team, um, how about this? Did you catch on to what might have been the funniest story of Week 18, which was Saints Falcons end of the game. Falcons, Game-o? Falcons are supposed to get into victory formation. James Yeah, let's talk, like, nah, it. let's talk about. Let's talk about. Let's get let's get Jamal Williams this touchdown. With all that being the case. Right. J- Jameis Winston after the game made it clear Dennis Allen called victory formation. But as a team, I guess the team on the field, they decided how he
3: said it to is great.
2: I mean, as a team, man, I mean, everything he says is hilarious. <laughs> he's a, he's the most unintentionally hilarious man of football. Um, Apparently what you've seen, though, a lot of uh players on the Saints have backed Jameis. Will- Will- yeah, Jameis Winston. Yeah. Jimmy Graham got on Twitter and said that we should get off of Jameis back. The man is the best teammate I've ever had, he said. Loves this city, this game, and embodies everything you could ask for in a leader. Was a rare situation, and we all take responsibility. Nobody thought it would get blown out of proportion. Also, bleep the Falcons, which honestly, I think if Jameis had gotten up after the game and just said bleep the Falcons, would have gone over great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that. I believe um, Cameron Jordan got on, and Benjamin Watson, former tight end, Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Uh, Juwan Johnson, like, there's a lot of guys uh, came to defense of Jameis Winston. How did you react to that? Because again, like, the head coach immediately came out after the game, Dennis Allen, and apologized. But all the players like, nah,
3: we wanted that. Well, yeah, he apologized after he got cursed out by Arthur Smith at um at the little little post game coaches handshake and whatnot. But I did a little snooping on uh, Saints Twitter, snooping, and I texted some of my Saints fans. Got a bunch of them. And kind of got the temperature of the room, and from what I from what I researched, from what I gathered, it doesn't seem like many Saints players, Saints fans, Saints organization really respects Dennis Allen. From the, that was kind of the thought that I was getting from a bunch of them. That, and that kind of thing. That's why all these players are coming out. That they, when and when it, when the divide came, the line is drawn in the sand. you gonna take yeah. coach's side. You gonna take team side. Seems like a lot more taking team side. Uh, you'll see in the situation. Oh no! You know, James made a mistake, and we're handling it internally with the team. That was a bad thing. Like you just mentioned, a lot of those guys were like, "I don't know. I, I kind of, I'm kind of with it because this is my thing. I'm all for running up the score. You got to play to the last whistle. But, but there is a caveat. It is gentlemen's agreement upon the players when you line up in victory formation. Yeah, yeah. that we're not going to try on both sides of the ball because. When you do do that and say a D lineman blows up your quarterback, a fight's starting. Yeah. So you can't go on the opposite of be like, hey, guys, just victory formation, don't do anything, don't get mad when they do that, and then you try to score. If they'd have lined up in a regular formation, ran the ball and scored, I don't care if there's one second or ten seconds left, I don't think anyone would have had a problem with it. Agree. The victory formation of trying to do this trickery if we've conceded the game and then scoring, I think is where the problem is. Because James was like, this guy hasn't scored all year, he's a good teammate, we want him to score, and I'm all for that. Run a regular play then. Don't try to trick the game and kind of get below the shield and do this victory formation kind of joke, and then
2: we're going to score. That's my only quarrel with it. Running out the score, I could care less. Score as many points as you want. Yeah, from the 601 on the truckreg.com text line, I hope it's a sign to the owners that De- uh, Dennis Allen should leave. Um, this team doesn't like doesn't seem him. does like they respect him. And I think, that, I think that that's interesting because it seems like from all parties involved that he's likely going to be safe there. So it'll be interesting to see how that team continues to go forward. Yep. With uh, Dennis Allen at the helm, um, it's to get right right here on 105.3 Fan. I was going to mention that Jim Ursay is currently being treated for a severe respiratory illness, the uh, Indianapolis Colts owner, and so that's why he's you know not appearing with his band at an event in L.A. So he's part of the NFL family dealing with a little bit of a health issue. Um, get right right here on 105 through the fan coming up next um jerry jones was on with sean and rj there was some really interesting uh quotes from him that i want to revisit about mike mccarthy and his safety and the possibility of uh your defensive corner defensive coordinator returning we'll discuss that next on the fan
1: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours